So guys, I've got a question for you. Okay. You all uh, enjoy eating good, healthy food, I suppose, huh? Yeah, pretty much. Try to keep yourself in shape for the cycling season, so on and so forth. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I guess, well, I mean, I feel like I eat, I mean, I feel like I ride bikes so I can eat whatever I want. Yeah, I mean, there's got to be a few donuts thrown in there too, but right, cookies. on balance, you try to eat some good, healthy meals. Okay, try to. Yeah, try to. Uh, Enjoy supporting the people that support the sport of cycling. Yes. Enjoy uh, giving shout outs to the guys that you race bikes with that are on your cycling team. Right. I would encourage you guys and anyone who's listening to spend some time and go have a quality meal at Maxwell. I had dinner at Maxwell tonight. Oh, okay. On my way over here, and I'm just feeling really good about it. And mm-hmm. I just wanted to give a shout out to our teammate, Max, and his delicious food at Maxwell on Magazine Street. And go get yourself some. Bodie, I know you've been there. I've seen you and Emily That's pretty good. enjoying a nice meal there. It's Matt, have you, have you been have to Maxwell? Not, I have not made it up there yet, but I fully intend to. Well, uh, shout out to our teammate, Max, uh, go get yourself some delicious vegan vegetarian food at Maxwell worth the trip and, uh, discount for urban South team members. Great dinner tonight. And it's just got me fired up to do this podcast. So you guys ready to rock it? Let's do it. All right. Let's do it. Well, good evening, gentlemen. Welcome to episode 49 of the Yeah You Ride podcast. This is the Bodie Bodie. Hey there, Bodie. This is the T-Bone. And this is Cheerio. All right. So tonight we have a special guest on the podcast all the way from, I guess you're in Petaluma, California. Is that right? Yuri Hauswald, a good buddy of mine. Yeah, I'm sitting in my office in sunny Northern California, Petaluma, small uh, agrarian uh, like milking town where I grew up. Awesome. So yeah, Yuri, you and I know each other through the Pavlov Foundation and have uh, done a good number of miles on the road over the last few years in Pavlov across America. And uh, we wanted to have you on the podcast because you're just a dude that likes to talk about cycling and has a whole lot to talk about. So I don't know, let's just jump right into it, man. Um, you know, tell us about yourself. Who are you and what's your cycling story? Oh man, that's a mouthful. Uh, yeah, I would like to emphasize that you and I did meet on Pavlov, uh, obviously in a really uh, important cause for pediatric cancer. Uh, so we share that bond. I think that's really what binds us. Uh, but who am I? Uh, I am Goo's community development manager. I've been a goo athlete uh, for 13 years, and I've been working in the office for about six years. And if, for folks who don't know, goo sports energy makes gels, drinks, uh, recovery products, uh, chews. Um, we have all sorts of other things up our sleeve that we're working on, you know, in our test kitchen and stuff like that. So I work for a sports nutrition company. I'm in the office three days a week. I do a lot of our social media 
I interact with our athletes and teams. I go to camps. I ride my bike a lot. I write articles for Peloton and other magazines and generally do my best to stay out of the office and on my bike. Um, in my past life, I was an elementary school teacher. I taught elementary school for 11 years. I taught mm -hmm. first, second, third grade. And prior to that, I taught two years of high school at a prep school in Pennsylvania. Uh, think uh, this boy's life uh, for sure. So Sounds a little bit about me. Yeah, what's your, to talk about your path to, to cycling, because you got a little bit of a late start, at least in terms of your sort of more pro cycling career. What, how, how did that start and where did it take you? Well, Townsend, I've always been a late bloomer, bro. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's just get that out there right away. Um, no, in all seriousness, so, you know, I've, I've always been an athlete my, my whole entire life. You know, I played soccer and baseball uh, as a little one. And then when I went to high school, it was soccer um, for one semester and then football, baseball. And then I discovered lacrosse and lacrosse actually became my sport. And I went to college on that sport. I went to Cal Berkeley um, and played lacrosse for them. So that sort of laid the foundation just for me as an athlete an endurance athlete someone who liked to push his limits um uh and gave me a really good like endurance aerobic base from all the running that i i did um i was captain of the team my junior and senior year and like all-star and stuff like that so it was my it was my gig i really loved it i was about 210 pounds and um, my job was to smash people because i played defense um, and anyway, so when I left school, I went back east to teach at, um, the Hill School in Pennsylvania, Pottstown, Pennsylvania, and I played one summer of summer ball, um, with, you know, ex-college guys or guys still in college and was just finding that I was getting super beat up. And a couple of the teachers that I worked with there rode mountain bikes avidly and, uh, they, coaxed me out on a ride and we went to French Creek Park on a lone bike and Chuck Taylor's cut off shorts you know I hopefully I had a helmet I think I did and I was probably 24 at that time and I fell in love with mountain biking it was mainly because of Mark and Ellen Nelson um, who just you know every Sunday we would go ride our bikes and that's how I discovered the bike I mean obviously I knew how to ride a bike I rode a bike as a kid but um, it wasn't something I pursued. And when I discovered mountain biking, I really fell in love with uh, just being in the outdoors and adventure and the camaraderie with friends. And from there, it progressed rapidly. But I'm going to let you interject with another question if you might have something that I've already thrown out because I could keep yarning for a while. So, Yuri, what um, what sort of time was this that you, that you got into mountain biking? Like, uh, so 94, 95 okay. is when I got into mountain biking. So still somewhat in the gold, definitely in the golden era of racing. So I was, right. you know, reading magazines with, you know, Marla Strad and Travis Brown and Ruthie Mathis and Nat Ross and all these, you know, really fast, famous folks. Yeah. Um, that got me excited and it's really cool now because my life has come full circle because I'm friends with a lot of those people and ride with a lot of those people and um, sponsor some of them, you know, so it's it's people I read about and sort of idolized as uh, a, a new racer are now in my, you know, circle of close friends. Um, yeah. So you'd be familiar, obviously, with Ned Overend. 
I know Ned very well. Yeah. <laughs> well, Bo Bodie knows Ned very well. Uh, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So I, well, thank you, Matt, for uh, segueing to that. Um, Yuri, I, I, I don't know anything about mountain biking or I, I've learned some now. I'm learning more because of watching cyclocross and those stars like Vanderpool and, and Neff, yeah. the crossovers. So, um, but I, I did a cross race in San Diego, gosh, I want to say 2014 and, uh, Ryan Jerbone was there and I was pretty excited. It was just like a local race. I think it was the A field we signed up for. And I, I think I posted a photo of the results and I was like, you know, I got a top 10 behind uh, Ryan Trebone. And I posted in the Facebook group and I got a lot of shit because, you know, right behind Ryan Trebone was Ned Overend. So, yeah, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm uneducated, but, uh, because of his age, that was a slight or no, no, I just I'm never not... heard. I, I didn't, I didn't, oh, you... I didn't know who he was. And to me, the biggest yeah. star on that list was Ryan Jerbone. When in oh, fact, yeah, everybody yeah. was like, dude, the lung. I'm like, what does that mean? Yeah. The lung. He, and on top of just his athletic prowess, he's a super cool, humble dude. I've actually ridden a bunch with him over the years and, uh, he still smashes it. Like he showed up last year. Yeah. Last year, not this so 2016, I think he, uh, 2017, he showed up at Peloton's gravel mob and was in the top five, just crushed it. Yeah. He was uh, super nice. He, uh, the promoter, like after the race was like, I don't know, I was talking to her and he, she called him over and, and we were talking about tires and I still had no idea who he was. And he felt my, my tire pressures and he kind of laughed at me and he's like, you should try tubeless bro. And I was like, all right, yeah. I don't think he said bro, but he said you should try tubeless. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, Yuri, I have, I have two observations uh, from, yeah. from what you've said, and then maybe a follow-up question. The first yep. observation is, I don't care what the sport was. If I'm sitting out there on the playground and it, we're playing, you name the sport, I'm picking you on my team. <laughs> so That's I, awesome. I, right? I don't, oh, I don't doubt you. for a second that you were a badass in hockey, lacrosse, soccer, whatever it was that you played. I would pick you for a uh, sport that you'd never even played before because uh, uh -huh. you're just that kind of a guy, and you're a badass teammate as well. So uh, that, that's number one. Uh, and then I guess my question really is, um, at some point you started – getting paid to ride mountain bikes or riding sort of as a sort of quasi pro when, when, when it was pretty late in your life, when was that? Yeah. So it, it's actually, yeah, it was very late in my life and actually just most recently that, uh, I've actually started to be able to make a little bit of money at it. So the, the quick and the dirty is I discovered racing. I jumped into like the sport category, got completely smashed for, a number of seasons eventually moved up to expert uh spent a number of years there and then qualified to move into the semi-pro category which does not exist anymore but they had it at norba that was the stepping stone into the pro category and you know i was in the back of the pack for sure i was like mid-pack fodder and semi-pro and wasn't going to go anywhere uh beyond that most likely just because i didn't have the time to train like a pro because i was working as an elementary school teacher I'm also not uh, of the sort of, you know, typical pro roadie mountain biker body type. Um, and, you know, I'm not necessarily that athletically gifted. So um, I was going to be stalled out in the semi-pro category. But in 2003, a friend of mine dared me to do a 24-hour solo race. 
and it's somebody I'd ridden with for 10 years about at that point or near that point. And, um, I decided to do it, but I was like, I'm only doing it if you're my mechanic and you stay up all night. So you get to suffer a little bit too. <laughs> and, uh, I ended up winning that race, which then qualified me to go to worlds that year. So th sorry, I said 2003, it was actually 2006. Um, and in 2006, I went to 24 hour solo worlds in Conyers, Georgia, where they had the first Olympic mountain bike race, I believe in 1996. Mm -hmm. Uh, so super awesome course. Um, I ended up getting ninth at world championships Wow! and that somehow qualified me. I, you know, sent in like a, a letter to USA cycling and, um, that some, I somehow was able to qualify as a pro and moved into the pro category, but that really meant nothing beyond the three letters that were now on my USAC license, you know, cause I still had a day job and wasn't like anybody was banging down my door to sign me to a contract. Um, but did you so, have like sponsors, like, you know, bike sponsor I, and stuff like that? Yeah. So I guess I should step back. So I had been, you know, slowly integrating myself into the bike industry from the moment I discovered it, um, through running a little junior team and sought sponsorship and, and then making industry relationships with other folks. And then I rode for Soulcraft, which was an offshoot out of Salsa Cycles when Salsa Cycles got sold mm -hmm. and ran their race program. So I became friends with folks at Giro and Bell and Goo and all these cool you know, brands. And so eventually parlayed that into not paid sponsorships, but product. And I was paid in products. So, you know, I was riding on bikes that were, were given to me and some, I got to keep, sometimes I had to give them back. Um, and other companies, it was purely product. Uh, and then, um, yeah, so I guess it took, you know, another, <laughs> you know, seven years until I discovered Dirty Kanza, which was 2013. Um, and then my career sort of took a different turn, which was, pretty interesting yeah well let's talk about that for a minute because that's sort of the meat and potatoes of where we wanted to to wind up with you uh you did yeah. that you said for the first time in 2013 is that right correct yeah so i went out to dirty kansas because goo sponsored it i knew nothing about it uh it seemed like a new challenge much like uh when i discovered lacrosse in high school you know it was a new sport i'd never played so i gave up playing soccer to try lacrosse so gravel is like oh this is cool and we were working with Carmichael Training Systems at the time, and I was friends with a lot of their coaches. And so I went out there with them, um, check it out as a sponsor. I think I activated a little bit of a you know boost space too, and uh, immediately fell in love with the Gravel family, the folks out there. I mean, when people talk about Midwest hospitality, it's a thing. It's real. Um, they're really genuine and authentic and welcoming. And on top of that, I had a pretty decent day. Um, at my first shot at Dirty Kanza, and I was hooked. It looks like you and, had ninth. Yeah, which actually, so that, that finish was really interesting. It was probably one of the more memorable um, finishes I've ever had because I was in a break with Dan Hughes, four-time winner Dan Hughes, and um, a friend of mine, Dan Matheny. We were off the front at mile 80, um, the three of us, and at mile 110, I suffered a puncture, and then Dan suffered a puncture, Matheny, and then I was in second. Long story short, I ended up uh, flatting again and then rolled in with a crew who had flatted out of our group earlier in the day, and we 
three other, so four of us total rolled in together into town. Um, so like fourth through ninth or however it was. And we decided since we had all worked so hard together that we were just going to roll arm in arm across the finish and let them, you know, either place us all the same or however they were going to place us. And so the four of us just rolled, rolled across as one unit. Oh, that's cool. And, uh, so yeah, I think, I think I was technically ninth. Yeah. Um, and maybe like fourth in my age category or something like that. So yeah, that one, that year was more really about the camaraderie. Um, but I was, I was hooked for sure. Um, and then went back, uh, in 14 and suffered more flats and, uh, you know, was sitting in a ditch with my third flat, wondering why I was even doing this event. And then a family was just down the road. I mean, the, the community really gets behind Dirty Kansas. It's a really, really amazing event. There was this family sitting on their lawn um, with a cooler full of Cokes, a hose, lawn chairs. I kind of stumbled up. I was pretty beat down at that point. I just fixed my third flat and was hurting from the heat and humidity. And the kids were like, can we spray you with the hose? I was like, I shook my head. So they sprayed me with the hose and then they grabbed my bottles and filled them with ice. They offered me a Coke. I sat on their lawn for about 10 minutes and then, uh, I thanked them and, you know, rolled on and made the last 25 miles, but I probably wouldn't have made it without their hospitality, um, and support. Uh, and then 2015, I um, came back and really um, put my nose to the grindstone. I actually started working with a coach for sort of the first time in my career and started focusing on some numbers. I'm not really a numbers guy. Go figure. I was an English major, so I don't really <laughs> look at numbers. But I started, uh, you know, like keeping track of power and heart rate and stuff like that and um, worked really hard to get ready for the 2015 Dirty Kanza, which happened to be the muddiest and gnarliest Dirty Kanza ever, mm. um, which actually played um, in my favor. And so uh, at the end of the day, 13 hours later, um, I won in a sprint finish and the biggest race I've ever won in my whole career. Well, let's take a step back because sure. Yuri, the story of how you, the story of how you got to that sprint finish in the 2015 race is pretty compelling because you were a good ways off the lead uh, at one point, right? 20, 20 plus minutes down and uh, and just decided to sort of, you, well, you tell the story. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but uh, you didn't know how yeah. far down you were, but turns out you were a pretty good ways down and, and to hear you tell it. Um, if you'd have known how far down you were, things might have been different, but you just kind of put your head down and went for it, and I'll let you take it from there. Yeah, so uh, I'm going to actually step back to the beginning of the race um, and just mention that my my wife had flown out and surprised me, and my wife, as you know, Townsend, this yeah. is how Townsend and I sort of came together. Uh, is my wife is a stage four colon cancer survivor. She was given about 10% chance to live. And so that's amazing. Um, I got to say, yeah, that's really yeah. cool. And so my wife flew out the night before and surprised me. She came out with a friend, a wife of a buddy who was also racing. And, uh, so we had a brief exchange. I had already gotten in bed and all of a sudden there was a knock on the door. We were saying, there's my wife. I was like, hang on. I was just talking on the phone with you. I thought you were in California. She's like, ah, gotcha. So anyway, um, I had some extra motivation that day, obviously some extra fire in my belly to, to ride well for her and to honor her fighting spirit. 
and um, because at that point she had fought and successfully yes. beat the, yes. the disease. Yeah. Uh, so in 2015, we were about uh, what were we like three and a half years into that journey or something like that. Four years into that, you know, we I don't think we hadn't hit the, you know, the quote unquote magic five years out. But uh, so we were we were through like you know the really nasty stuff, but it's we still weren't totally out in the clear. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I had that extra motivation that day to, to ride really well for her. Um, and so I came into the last, so just to paint a picture for folks, we hit a mud patch at about mile 10 and I was at the front end with Barry Wicks and, you know, Dan Hughes and, and all the sort of heads of state of gravel. And, um, it just completely nuked the field because people's bikes came to a a standstill and filled with mud and chains were snapping and derailers were getting sucked in and people were wrecking and it was complete carnage. And, um, so I actually just sort of went into my college running mode and just picked up my bike when it stopped rolling and started running, which people had to do. And that thinned the field and you know fast forward to like the the second aid station and i'm in about fifth or sixth place um just kind of you know just being steady working my way through and then you i came out of like the last really gnarly mud pit which was around mile 95 ish and um i see another rider pull the plug and and go away and i realize i'm in like fourth place at that point and i was like wow you know, podium might actually be in the cards for me today if I can, you know, keep my bike rolling and just, you know, keep everything going. So, and then um, for people that don't know quickly, Yuri, for people that don't uh, already know this, Dirty Kansas is a 200 mile 200. race. Yeah. Okay. And they actually lie. It's actually the year I won, it was 204. Ooh. So, uh, that's just me. You know, yeah. <laughs> it is me, you know, adding that extra little bit. So it's never exactly 200. So don't get that in your head. Although that extra uh, four miles might have given you just exactly it, the space you needed to catch the guy. Very true, sir. Very true. <laughs> anyway, continue. Uh, Sorry. So, yeah, that's so true, actually. So I just went into, um, you know, I'm a bigger guy. So like I run in diesel mode really well. It takes me a while to, to warm up, but once I get rolling, I can hold a pretty good tempo and power for a bit of time. And, um, so I just got into that zone, you know, that I'd been working in with my coach, the power zone that we knew I could hold for a while and just put my head down and, um, pedaled for about the next 60 miles, um, solo. And I, picked off third and then ended up with this kid who was in second place and we rolled into the last aid station which was in cottonwood falls and um you know it was mile 150 ish something like that and so we rolled in in second and third and the kid and i had been working together pacing you know pacing each other and i told him when we rolled into town i was like hey i'm gonna be super quick in town like i'm gonna be in my pit less than a minute um, so if you want to continue working together, like you got to be fast and he's like, okay. And so I rolled into my pit and I was probably in my pit less than a minute. I have an amazing mechanic that I am fortunate enough to have worked with for a few years out of Stillwater, Oklahoma, Austin, who works for district bicycles, um, was my guy that day. First time I'd ever met him, um, chucked at my bike. And for some reason I told him to put five more pounds of pressure in each tire. I'm not sure that 
you know, did much, but it, it may have helped my, you know, just sort of speed and the fact that I eventually had to sprint for the win at the end. Hmm. Um, I had a fresh pack waiting. That's the thing with, with long, I feel like, and this comes from my days of 24 hour solo racing is the better prepared you can be in your pits. I mean, you're saving time there. Um, and so I had a fresh pack. So it was just roll in take my pack off, put a pack on bottles already made in the bike. Well, he had the bike, grab the bottles, maybe shove something in my face bikes done bottles in i'm out that kid was nowhere to be seen hmm. and i hadn't seen my wife all day and lo and behold she's at the end of the town this cool cobbled brick street in um, cottonwood and she's screaming at me that i'm in second place and go 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 and so i rolled out of town and put my earbuds in and turned up my music and uh went to work um and I knew he was up ahead. We hadn't seen the leader all day, this guy, Michael Sensenbaugh. And about 15 miles into that leg, uh, one of the photographers was like, hey, he's only got 10 minutes on you now. Um, and that didn't really have much context for me because I didn't know that I had already, you know, maybe sliced off a pretty big chunk of time that he had on me that, that quickly. Um, so I didn't really think much about it and just went back to getting in the power zone. And actually, I was really just sort of celebrating the fact that I was in second place. I was like trying to be really positive with myself um, and just like relishing the moment like, man, you are going to ride to second place. And I wasn't totally, to be honest, like dead set on catching him because I didn't think it was a possibility. So, I, you know, I wasn't going to like completely turn myself inside out to to bring him back because i wasn't it didn't seem possible in that um short amount of mileage scene of mileage with two miles to go um we had been passing 100 mile riders um for a little bit the courses overlap so i was looking at number plates when i'd go by folks and um i rolled up on somebody that looked a little bit different than the other 100 milers that i had been rolling by and i looked at his number plate and lo and behold it was the the leader to that point and um we sort of exchanged pleasantries i said hello he definitely was not excited to see me <laughs> I have been excited. yeah I, I would not have been excited to see me and um so i went to the front immediately just to kind of like test his legs to see where he was at and gave it a good pull and then you know gave him the chicken wing pull around um and he wouldn't come around me and so then i i just swung way off the road and like sat up and um, we exchanged some words about how it's supposed to work, you know, when you go into this, like either we're going to work together or we're not going to work together. Mm. And uh, he didn't want to work together. Uh, and he also, his Garmin wasn't working, so he didn't know the turns because oh. he, had, he hadn't been taking the cue sheets. And so you either had it on your computer um, or you, you know, took cue sheets or you had both. You know, I had both. Right. I was... You know, in case your Garmin goes out, you you have to have the cue sheet. So, yeah. um, you know, bad luck on his part played into my hand because he was hampered by the fact that he didn't totally know the course um, when he was trying to, you know, win. So that slowed him down for sure. Uh, so I was calling out the turns as we went into town. And um, when we hit the base of Emporia State, there was a slight rise and I gassed it there and got a slight gap, but then he brought me back like mid campus. You ride across the campus before you hit the top of the boulevard and then it's 
like three blocks to the finish. And so when he brought me back on campus, I figured I'd, I had burned my last match. Um, but it, I still couldn't tell like, you know, where he was at fitness wise. Um, and just so folks know, I mean, he's, uh, what would see, he's almost 20 years, my junior. Um, so not that, not that age is a big different, you know, big deal, but, um, I just wasn't sure where, how he was feeling. And when we hit the top of the boulevard, um, I don't know, something, something clicked in me and everything tuned out, you know, for those of you who are familiar with flow state, I, I entered this sort of not thinking, um, state and decided to just go for it from there. Um, and attacked super hard and he chose to go on the left side of me. And I think he may have gotten pinched on the barriers a little bit as they, they came down. Um, and I held him off for like a three block, you know, just power charge down the boulevard and beat him by like half a bike length. Wow. Uh, and yeah. And then let out this really weird guttural scream. <laughs> I'm not a talker. I bet like that. But uh, there was like this primal, primal um, explosion of energy out of me that I'd never seen. I didn't even know I did it. It wasn't until I even saw I saw a video. I was like, whoa, who is that guy? <laughs> uh, so it was just uh, the release of a lot of emotion and pain and um, just satisfaction and joy. And, uh, you know, I'd, I'd worked really hard for that. And then just to have my wife, my wife there at the finish. Yeah, that's. That's quite an amazing story, and and I actually went and, and folks or listeners can look up the video of your finish, and yeah, uh, it's, it's called pretty... I ride. It's called I ride for her. It's done by salsa. Um, yeah, I cry every time I watch that video. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, just just the fact that you, I mean, you look at the time, looking at the results from your race, and I see it's thirteen hours, and it thirteen hour two hundred mile race comes down to a two up sprint finish. Um, it's yeah. pretty phenomenal. And the fact that you came out on top, uh, that's awesome, man. You're that's, that's really cool. Uh, congratulations. Three years later, I'll give you a congratulations on that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. So you're, I mean, when you were talking about, you know, him being like 20 years, your junior and everything, yeah. it, it kind of, it, it made me think about, um, you know, Matt Heyman's Paris Roubaix win. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. where it's, that uh you know somebody who's been sort of i mean for his it's like it's a different thing he'd be like i think that was his 17th parry rube or something but not the guy that you would expect to win that sprint you know which is uh pretty you know exactly. and, and then something like that you know those kind of like incredibly brutal long race that comes down to um you know just two guys in a velodrome or you know or a group a small group of people you know at the end of a end of a race it's uh, it's yeah. amazing that people can be that close um, that on that kind of, you know, that kind of endurance. Yeah, it actually, to be totally honest, when, when I caught him, part of me was like expletive. Now it's going to come down to a sprint, yeah. you know, like <laughs> yeah. right. it totally, but, it totally changed how I had to now approach the end of the race instead of just rolling happily into second place. I now had to try to be calculating and figure yeah. out how I was going to outsmart this kid in a sprint. Um, and that wasn't something I had expected or planned on, right. but you know what, stepping, stepping a little bit farther back, it, you know, I don't know if it was in my coach's plan, but you know, about two months out, he had had me practicing some really, um, 
big like power number sprints. Yeah. And I was sort of questioning why he was having me do that, but it only to me. And then I did it. Um, but you know, it was, it was that kind of diligence and following a plan that I think really paid off, um, when I needed it the most. Yeah. Yeah. It was probably just a complete accident that he had you doing that. But now for forevermore, he's like, sure. always take my advice, Yuri. <laughs> you see? For sure. Well, I mean, sure. I've, got, I've got a question about that. Was, yeah. was he having you do those kind of big sprints after a long sort of like, you know, long tempo threshold effort? Or was it just um, like, just like pure sprint work? It was pure, usually pure sprint work. Yeah. Um, and the, so on the longer rides is when I would get into this, you know, zone of like 240 to like 290 watts and just stay there for long periods of time. Yeah. Um, that's what I practiced a lot um, because that's what you need to be able to, you know, to, to sort of power your way through the prairie. You need to be able to do that um, and stick on people's wheels and, you know, you're going to be fighting a headwind guaranteed most of the day at some point because um, the winds change out there. They're super fickle and they always seem to be hitting you in the face. So, um, yeah, that having a coach and a plan completely uh, changed things for me. Um, yeah, well, well, speaking of that, Yuri, we've got three yeah. of our teammates uh, headed up this year. I think I have introduced you by email to kind of the leader of that pack, Elise Bahasa. From, yep. uh, from our race team who's coming up with two other women from the team uh, to do Dirty Concept for the, for, uh, for the first time this year. What, yeah. uh, what advice do you have for them or for anyone who's kind of trying to tackle that for the first time in terms of training tips or nutrition tips or just what to, what to expect yeah. and how to approach it? Probably yes. more than you can explain yeah. in a podcast, but, well, uh, but basically. Well, actually, yeah, there's a lot of tips, but, um, you know, first, obviously the, the training piece at, at, at this point, you know, the haze in the barn, as far as training goes, there's nothing right. anybody could do at this point. So I'm not even going to, um, I'm just going to assume, you know, everybody has done their homework or hopefully has done their homework. Um, so their fitness is in a place to get them through 200 miles, but you know, let the first thing I would say is have a nutrition plan. Hopefully folks have been practicing the nutrition that they plan to use for 12, 13, 14, whatever, however long it's going to take. And hopefully that nutrition plan includes, you know, solids, gels, liquids, a mix of things. Um, and that they're hitting sort of for me, the magic caloric number is about 250 calories per hour. Mm -hmm. Um, and the window for folks is, you know, two to, to 300 beyond 300, your body really can't, um, process it um, right. quickly enough. You kind of overload yourself and you can get a little bit of a gut bomb. So I try to shoot for, you know, two to 300 calories, at least a bottle an hour. Um, so hopefully folks have been practicing that. I know I just finished riding the um, tour of California with some master's friends and was sort of just refining my nutrition plan that I know I'm going to be using for DK and, and eating the foods. And I know this sounds geeky and the flavors that I'm going to be using at DK just so my system oh, yeah. gets, yeah. gets totally used to that in my body for those, those periods of time. Um, so nutrition plan would be number one. Um, number two is have your pits really well 
organized. So I assume that the three of your friends who are coming up from NOLA uh, will have pit crews of sorts. And yeah, in fact, more... I think Bodie's girlfriend is yeah. going to kind of crew okay. for him. So. She's going to be one of the right, uh, so... crew members. So, yeah, she'll, yeah. she'll love to hear these tips you have. So listen up, Bodie's girlfriend. I got some tips for you. This Her name really is Emily. Helpful. Emily, here we go. Um, so, I mean, this has to come from the riders, but uh, ideally each rider has a fresh hydration pack just to grab each time because the quicker you can be, um, you know, you're just saving time. Because if you think about it, like if, if you spend five minutes at the first aid and then four minutes at the next and then four or five at the at the third, you know, there's, you know, 10, 12, 13, 14, it just starts adding up. So yeah. um, you want to be as, as efficient and quick. So have your pack. Right already ready to go let your pit crew you know know what you're going to be looking for when you come in like i'm coming in i have those two bottles already pre-made those are going on my bike so the one on my bike are coming off those bottles are going in dumping of trash from their pockets they're going to want to empty their pockets that's nice to get rid of that because they're going to want to onboard fresh nutrition yep. and that you know if it's laid out on a table it's easier for people to think mm. and grab and 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 do all that table um, tip. A, a table for sure definitely want to have a table um and then you know having uh some some food options there that they know their body likes because their their taste their palate's going to change over the period right. of the day what tasted good at aid one may taste like shit at aid three so to have some solid options on the table for them too, whether it's PB and J, some bananas, some you know, a trail mix, whatever it is, you know, maybe later in the day it's a payday bar or Snickers or something like that. Just have some little solid sweet snacks there that work for their system that they can be like, oh man, I feel like that, and they can eat it. And then if there's any maintenance that needs to be done to their bike. I don't know if the these pits will have the luxury of having a mechanic, but you know, having tubes lube uh, a floor pump having uh you know brushes maybe in case they need to clean off mud who knows what the conditions are going to be like or even yeah. like a spatula or something like that i'm not kidding the mud is like peanut butter out there when it when it's bad um wait so did you say sorry i missed that yeah. you say spatula yeah like a spatula something okay. to scrape mud okay. off. or you know like paint sticks yep. paint stick Ooh, those are perfect yep. mud sweepers i have some um, of those there you go. So paint sticks for sure. If in case it's really muddy and they may even want to, you know, if, if, if they know they're going into a muddy leg, put a paint stick in their pack hmm. because they can then scrape their tires and stuff with it and not have to use their hands, which then get all muddy and nasty. And um, Yuri, real quick, you're talking yeah. about like a camelback hydration backpack. Is that it? it I, I've seen, remember photos of you yep. from the race. Yep. And do Townsend, you do you have Townsend, a? That was an awesome sponsor plug, dude. I will pay you later for that. But yeah, <laughs> people should be. I am for full disclosure. Yes, I'm a Camelback athlete. People should be using some sort of Camelback, whatever works for them. I actually um, helped develop a pack that uh, sort of came to. Well, I wouldn't say it came to me, but it was something that I. Um, I used a run pack from Camelback one year, mm -hmm. and it's super lightweight and has stowage on the chest. And from there, we took that concept and developed the Chase bike vest um, for Camelback, cool. uh, which is a, a 1.5 liter pack, has stowage on the, the chest pockets, lots of smart places to put trash. You can um, segment stuff so you could have like your electrolyte pills somewhere, your gels somewhere, trash somewhere else. And then 
um, little bit of stowage on the back. The coolest thing beyond the fact that it's super ventilated and made with really lightweight material is that it sits high enough on your back that you can still access your pockets so it doesn't block your pockets. Okay. Um, so that was a pack, you know, that I uh, threw during Dirty Kansas. We worked together, Camelback and I, on developing this pack, and it hit markets this year, and for better or worse, some sort of the poster boy for the pack. Um, but have, yeah, have, have a pack for sure. Uh, a pack or maybe two so that you can just swap yep. it quick and then your, yep. then your crew can refill the one that you took off at the last aid station and have it up for the next one. Right? Exactly. Have two, um, and you know, have those ready and know what's going to go in them. Um, you know, I have, so in 2015 when I wrecked in one of the early mud pits and knocked a bottle out and that may not seem like a big deal but that was 300 calories that went into the prairie and when I realized that I'd lost that bottle you know every little bit of nutrition counts out there yeah. and so I, I had to figure out well I'm gonna have to like eat more gels then to compensate for those liquid calories that I lost so um, I guess the, the the my point is they may want to contemplate putting some liquid calories if that's what they use in their hydration pack because you know that's not going anywhere. You're not going to lose that. And I've actually gravitated towards that technique a bunch this year because in gravel racing, you eject bottles all the time. Right. And so if you have your calories on your back, you know you'll always have those too. Um, so that's just like that, that's like a super geeky thing, but I've had multiple experiences where I lose my calorie bottle and then you're like just on water and sometimes that can be a little rough if if you know aids or big distances or whatever. Um, one of my top secret uh, little tips for you guys and your your folks from Nola will really love this is get some cutoff pantyhose and stuff them with ice. Oh yeah. And okay. tie them off. Have them in a cooler so when your rider rolls in, they can drape one around their neck. I, I don't know what the temps are going to be like, but you can count on it being humid. I've, I've been sort of watching the, the, the weather out there, and it's in the high 80s. You know, drape one around their neck, shove one down the back of their jersey, but it's an awesome um, cooling technique. Those mm -hmm. They'll eventually, you know, just drip out, and then they'll just have a piece of uh, pantyhose in their, their kit that may or may not fall off. But that's something that I've used for a lot of events. Cause I, I've suffered from heat stroke a few times I've been in the hospital. And so I have to really like stay on top of keeping myself cool. And that's one trick, um, that, that I've used over the years with great success. Awesome. Um, yeah. And beyond that, um, and this is going to sound, um, you know, sort of dickish, but don't, let them sit down. Oh, don't sit down. Yeah. You sit down. You don't want to get back up. Right. So have them stand or ha if, if, if they don't need anything done to their bike, have them straddle their bike, pull the bottles off, put the new bottles in, get them their stuff. Don't chit chat with them too much. I know I sound like a horrible person here, you know, right. and shove them along their way. But, uh, you know, obviously you don't want to do that if they're in a bad space or anything like that. But, you know, the, the, the quicker they can be in and out, the less dilly dally, the better they'll do. But I mean, if they're not really, you know, super hyper focused on, you know, just like smashing every moment, then have them take a little bit of time. But I do suggest not sitting down because sometimes it's hard to get back up. Oh yeah. No, I know that feeling. Yeah. So Bodie, you're going to have to work on Emily cause she sounds like she's going to have to get kind of mean about things. She's pretty nice. So she <laughs> can be firm though. Yeah. She, okay, she's a nurse. She knows how to 
be firm but gentle. Um, so, wow, oh, there that you go. yeah, um, those are an amazing assortment of tips, uh, Yuri. So thanks for sharing that. Um, so you 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 know you're racing this year, but you're not just doing the Dirty K two hundred. You're doing a whole other event, right? Can you tell us more about that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Beginning, are you beginning uh, to second guess your decision, Yuri? Oh, I, I was second guessing my decision before I even said yes and was second guessing it after I said yes. Um, yeah, so I have been invited to be part of um, the DKXL. Uh, they've invited 34 people to do it. Uh, 34 reflects the original number of people who showed up the very first year, 13 years ago, to do the first DK. 34 folks showed up in a hotel parking lot, and that's where DK was born. That's cool. So they've been, yeah, it's super cool. And so they've invited 34 people um, of various levels of bike racing and bike packing. I don't know many of the folks. I know a few. Rebecca Rush is doing it. Okay. Um, Isn't uh, Allison Tetrick doing it as well? She won. No, she's not. Nope. Okay, I don't know why nope. I thought that. Yeah. Uh, so Dan Hughes, Jay Peterberry is doing it with his wife on a tandem. Oh um, shit. Bobby, yeah, exactly. Bobby <laughs> Wintle, uh, owner of District Bicycles, is doing it. Nick Legan, um, a writer who put out a really awesome book about gravel. Um, Crystal Wintle is doing it. So I know a few folks. Um, it's it's you know these being on in in California, you know, like gravel uh, is, is really not sort of something that I experience, And so there's a whole Midwest scene that I'm relatively new to that family. And so, um, it's more Midwestern folks who are, um, you know, done a lot in that scene out there that are part of this group. So, yeah. So what's yeah. the distance on yeah. this thing? The Yuri? distance is, the distance is 350 miles. Oh. Yep. And there, there are no aid stations. There's no support crews. Oh, there, there's nothing. So we have to carry everything. Um, they are running us through towns. We run through a town at like mile 51 and then mile like 108. And then, um, I don't know, a few other places. I, I have the race Bible somewhere. I've been taking notes and trying to figure out my, my game plan. Um, and the biggest gap between towns is 108. 38 miles so Good i'm gonna Lord. have to be able to go 138 miles or thereabouts carrying everything i need Ugh. um so what so, kind of setup are you gonna have for doing yeah that? so i'm still refining that but uh i have some ortlieb bags and obviously i'll be running the camelback chase vest but um i have an ortlieb top tube bag that runs in the inside triangle mm -hmm. um along the top tube and camelback has made me a custom three liter reservoir to go in there and oh, cool. we're working yeah we're working right now on figuring out a a device that allows it to hook the for the hose to hook to my bars so i can just reach down and pull it up and then retracts back it's kind of tricky we're trying to figure out how that how that fixes and and works and stays there um so i'll have that uh bag and then i'll have a an Ortlieb saddlebag, bigger bag, like a bike packing type bag that will have the bulk of my nutrition, um, spare tubes, depending on what the weather's doing, you know, gear. Um, 
I will have a light on my bars and my helmet because we start at 4 p.m. on Friday. And so I'll have, you know, about five hours of light and then, you know, about eight hours of dark. Um, and I'll be running my Garmin uh, 1030 with one of their new, I have uh, a new booster pack, battery pack called the Charge that gives me 20 extra hours. So that'll be uh, clicked on underneath my Garmin. Uh, so it's nice to have that. So hopefully I won't have to worry about, you know, losing my navigational tool. But I also will have printed maps and printed cue sheets in my gear, too, just in case things go really south. Um, um, I got a very yeah. important question. We like to talk about yeah. tires on this <laughs> yes. podcast. So can you tell us more about your bike and tire selection? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I would love to. So I've been a WTB athlete for many, many years. Cool. And I am running their Nano 40. Mm-hmm. All right. I've got a pair yeah. of those. Yeah. That was my favorite mountain bike tire back in the day. And it's become my favorite gravel tire. Uh, it rolls really fast. Last year, you know, knock on wood, it got me through DK with no flats. Um, I've only had two two years of DKs where I haven't flatted. Um, and are you platform. running that tubeless or are you running tubes? Of I guess you're running yeah, tubeless. Yeah. yeah. But you're tubeless carrying tubes true. just in case you have a, f- uh, a yep. massive failure. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And I suggest folks carry a tire boot because, mm-hmm. uh, the yeah. Flint Hills, are, the Flint Hills are called that for a reason because yep. there's sharp Flint, um, yeah. everywhere. And so they'll slice a sidewall pretty quickly. So, um, a goo packet will get you through in a pinch, but it's ah, good to have a le- good idea. It does. I recently had to do it on a road ride, but having a legit boot uh, is key to having somebody's, um, you know, gear bag for sure. Uh, So I'm just now trying to figure out how much sports nutrition do I carry because I won't have access to obviously goo or any sort of sports stuff at these convenience stores that we're rolling through in these small towns. And there's no provision to have someone there staged nope. as crew. So you, you have nope. to do it without crew. Yep. That's cheating. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. So, yeah. 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 That would, that's not possible. So, um, yeah, it'll be, it's, it's, it's a fun challenge. It's daunting for sure. I'm definitely, um, puckered up a bit about it. Um, <laughs> For totally, uh, you know, I think my biggest fear is just sort of the, the getting this gear gear set up right and then riding with that. I mean, having three liters on your top tube, yeah, uh, and then have another big bottle and then all this gear. I mean, I've ridden, I've done some bike packing with a lot of gear, but you know, this is a you know, quote unquote race through the Flint Hills of Kansas, so it's right. going to be really jarring and um. That's a lot of weight to carry around for 350 miles, so we'll see. Yuri, you're still riding the Scott? I know you won yes. a DK on a Marin, correct? Correct. And um, I currently ride for Scott Bikes, so I'm on their Addict, and I have okay. a Lauf, Lauf grit fork, so I have Ooh. a suspension mm. fork um, on the on the front of my bike, and that fork has made a tremendous amount of difference. Um, yeah. You're, you're seeing those forks just explode in the gravel scene right now. That's the one that looks almost like a harp sort of, right? That sort of got it, this. Yeah. I call it like a, like an Icelandic battle ax or something like that. Yeah, but it's actually, right. it's actually, um, they've, they've changed the design this year, um, to make it look less like that and more like a traditional fork. Um, they, it's they, like carbon leaf springs. Is that, correct. is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And it works and it allows you to go faster with less, um, upper body and hand. 
um, fatigue mm. and it allows you to corner better. Uh, so there's just a lot of um, positives that come from riding with that fork on, on my bike. And then I have a WTB saddle, Silverado saddle. So, yep. um, you know, those contact points are really, really important. Um, I'm running a Shimano DI Grupo. I have some Praxis cranks on there. Um, are you one by or two by? No, I've gone back to two by. I've actually, I possibly have given up the one by uh, Ghost. I was having just some issues with it, and so um, yeah, I'm now I'm now running Shimano on on my bikes two by. Um, so I'm pretty excited about that. And then uh, Adam Wheels, I have a wheel sponsor out of SoCal, um, carbon wheels made on um, White Industry Hubs, which is a Petaluma company, so mm-hmm. super cool. I have yeah. a pair of those. Yeah. Oh, you have a pair of Adams? No, I have a pair of White Industry Hubs. Yeah. Oh, there I, you love go. I love them. I love them. I didn't realize awesome. they're out of Petaluma. Cool. Yeah, really cool, really cool company. Um, super supportive, always help me out. And um, yeah. And then I have a number of other, you know, ancillary clothing, uh, chamois butter helps keep my bottom comfortable, mm. stuff like that. Are you uh, still riding uh, for, uh, Capo as your kit sponsor, our buddy Gary? Uh, I I'm, I have an open relationship, let's just say this year, with clothing sponsors. Okay. Um, I do certain events with Capo, um, and then I will have some events that I will be racing in other, other, other gear. Um so yeah, let me ask you this: You mentioned chamois butter in a in a yes. three hundred mile ride. Do you do you re up? Is that a thing? Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, dude. I'm definitely re upping <laughs> for sure. Um, I mean that's that's a good question. I mean, so that leads to something that I probably will have with me beyond the single serve um, Euro style, which I use of chamois butter, is baby wipes. Uh, you know, so. Okay. You can clean clean that region mm. um, and feel you know fresher or whatever. Yeah. But it you know that's something else that could be in people's pits too is you know just some a simple washcloths that are wet or 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 baby wipes like I'm saying and just sometimes cleaning the dust off and right you know that that helps your attitude a lot and you feel like you know refreshed a bit and ready to go for the next leg. That's um, that's a great suggestion. I mean I'm imagining if it's dry, then you're gonna get everything's just gonna be super dusty right super dusty and have you know chain lube i mean watching the weather the week before is important so you know if you need to have dry or wet chain lube that'll also dictate you know what sort of clean stuff you may or may not need to have in your pit but i've like i said i've always had the luxury of having a just a, a dialed in mechanic take care of me so i can just literally chuck in my bike as i roll in and uh get my food and stuff and and be gone quick so now that you're self-supported on this 350 mile version, are you going to carry chain lube as well with you? Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I'll have, you know, a multi-tool with a myriad of things on it, chain lube. Like a quick link uh, for your chain and stuff link, like that. Quick link, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hey Yuri, uh, let me ask like, you this. Does, yeah. uh, does, does goo work as a uh, tubeless tire sealant in a pinch? <laughs> I have not tried that. Um, I'm not going to suggest that. Like I said, it works as a great boot for sure, though. Yeah. So it probably wouldn't work as a lube either then, huh? No. Too sticky. <laughs> okay. And definitely, definitely don't try it as a chamois butter. <laughs> it's funny you say that because uh, one of our teammates once, I went on a ride with him, and he uh, reached into his back pocket and 
pulled out what he thought was a uh, goo and squirted half of it in his mouth, and it was a single-serve chamois butter. Oh. Yeah, he said that he left for the ride in the dark and just grabbed a bunch of things (laughs) and put them in his jersey, and I've been scared to uh, carry my single-serve chamois butter ever since then. Can we out that person on air? Because I don't know who it is. Uh, He (laughs) is a master's racer for our team. He know. is, we, we, we use the friendly term. He's a, he's kind of a weatherman. He likes to talk about the weather and he always predicts the opposite thing that happens. Oh. So he'll, if he says it's going to rain, it won't rain Yeah, I know. Um, and he won't about. show up, but we won't have rain. So Ron Burgundy. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, so Yuri, you just got done switching gears a little bit. You just got done riding the tour of California course. Is that right? I did. How was that? That sounds awesome, by the way. I, I want to do that. Well, I know the right people. We know the right people. We can make it happen. Um, so, yeah, I have been riding uh, the tour of California ahead of the pros uh, for probably about the last six years now. Mm. Um, yeah, you said that was a, a big part of your training for the for the DK, right? Was Yeah, was doing it actually this. has. It actually has. So in 2015, I rode the entire TOC two weeks out, and, um, you know, it paid off in spades. And so I've done that every year since. And um, it's just a it's a great week if you're into you know sort of smashing yourself on the bike and seeing some beautiful places of california and maybe seeing a little bit of bike racing but um yeah me and four other buddies and we had other folks join us um along the way just rode um just under like 700 miles and forty-one thousand feet of climbing um in like the last eight days so so were you uh, guys doing the the exact actual parkour yeah. of the of the stage the, everything and you start we, the morning of we we leave we leave three hours ahead of time. We give ourselves three hours gap, mm-hmm. um, and we ride the entire course. We don't always like roll right from the finish, but there were plenty of days where we rolled across the. Excuse me, <laughs> we don't always start at the start, but uh, there were plenty of days where we would, you know, roll the start and the finish, or just ride into the start, like maybe chop off a little bit, not like a mile or two, and then go to the finish. But yeah we're riding the whole stage with the exception of the TT. Uh, we just did an easy spin that day to keep our legs moving. And are the, uh, are the roads already closed when you do that or are they open they, roads at the time? No, they're open roads. That's the coolest thing is like, I mean, anybody could really do this because the roads are already marked. They have the signage out there. Yeah. Uh, and so, I mean, there's a lot of other folks out there, you know, enjoying sections of certain stages, you know, maybe the most picturesque portion of a stage. Um, but yeah, we ride the whole thing. And uh, we have support vehicle that, you know, has aid for us. And 
um, yeah, it's just been something that we've done. That's uh, yeah, it's really fun. So, how was your time up Gibraltar? <laughs> I was about to ask that very same question. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Gibraltar. Gibraltar hurts no matter how you slice Gibraltar. But Gibraltar is such a beautiful climb that you almost forget about it. And I was by myself uh, because I had let some guys go ahead of me and was going to try to meet with a coworker who was maybe activating um, Phil Gaiman's uh, cookie corner. Mm -hmm. And so I was kind of just rolling by myself and uh, ran into a few friends and was just, um, you know, having a, having a decent time, wasn't trying to totally kill myself going up at, you know, I wasn't with a group that was trying to, you know, set a new PR or something. So I actually had an enjoyable climb up Gibraltar, ran into Freddie Rodriguez, who now works for Amgen and rode with him for a little bit, a few friends from CTS, ran into my coworker who had ridden to the top and was now coming down. So it was kind of a, you know, quote unquote social, yeah. socialish ride up to the top of Gibraltar, you know, like the last K kicks pretty good. And then sort of the highlight or the low light of our trip was we went through the finish up there, but when you get through up there, you're trapped up there. Yeah. Um, and so our cars came around um, on East Cielo, um, uh, Camino Cielo, which is a really remote road that runs along the ridge of that. And so we rode through the finish and then actually had to get back on our bikes and pedal like another four miles with a good little climb in it to get to our vans, which had been stopped farther on that road. So we um, rode a bit more after we climbed Gibraltar along this just amazing spine of a road that looks you know all directions with you know the channel islands off to your left it was it's just really gorgeous that's awesome yeah i've ridden that road it, it, you sort of descend for a minute and then you've got to do another big climb before you uh -huh. get back to the road i guess the road you're talking about where your cars would have been parked yeah they were farther down that and we had actually been sitting up there debating what we were like texting with our crew we're like no you can get through and they're like no we can't get through and anyway we begrudgingly got back on our bikes and pedaled the last little bit and found him so so what were your thoughts on the tour of california this year did you follow the race and the racing I, action <laughs> much at all you know i i followed it a bit that's the funny thing people are like well you go ride the thing and you don't really pay attention to the race but um i followed it a little bit obviously um i'm a huge Sagan fan i think he's great for the sport um unfortunately you know he didn't uh did he get a stage he did no. not no yeah he didn't get a stage and so that that was I think that's got to be the first time in yeah. a fair few years that he hasn't, right? I think it's the yeah. first time that he hasn't won the points championship in the Tour of California in six or seven years. Yeah. Yeah. So, and definitely yeah. the first year that he hasn't won a stage. So, I mean, I had a couple friends racing, you know, I'm friends with Pete Stetna, um, who races for Trek. So just, you know, keeping tabs on him. And then um, there's a couple kids they're kids. I mean, they're like 22, but I've known them since they were in high school who raced in the NorCal high school league. Mm -hmm. uh, we're now in the pro Peloton. You probably heard of Nielsen Paulus. Oh yeah. He spent, yeah. He spent one year in the high school league before he, you know, moved on to, to, to bigger pastures. High school just, mountain uh, biking or high school yeah. road cycling, high, mountain biking, high school mountain biking. Yeah, he did right. a bit of that. Um, and then, uh, a, a kid named Sean Bennett who rides for the Hoggins Bergman team. Oh, yeah. Um, got second place uh, yeah. in the finish to Laguna Seca behind yeah. Skewens. That was and, an amazing uh, finish, that stage. That was an amazing finish. And that kid, uh, you know, came through the high school league. And um, so it was, it was fun to watch them because, you know, having seen them, you know, as freshmen, 
you know, it's it, you're sort of like this proud, not father, but just observer of, of what they have accomplished and know that. Um, so, I mean, for full, my wife runs the, the high school. League, yeah, I was so going to say quick I, shout out to Vanessa, who, yeah. who who runs that. And you're pretty involved in it as well, I guess. huh? Well, yeah, I mean, just from like the, the high you know, slapping high fives at events and stuff like that and, and coming and maybe helping a little bit. I don't do, a, you know, I, I, I work with some of the teams and, and go chat with the teams and do rides with them. But Vanessa has a whole really dedicated, hardworking crew that, that helps her put on the, the events. Um, so yeah, watching those guys was, was awesome. And then, you know, just seeing, um, sky sort of dominate, uh, you know, at the very end when it counted Kingsbury, they, you know, they did a really good job on Kingsbury grade of isolating TJ and then Egan just, you know, had another gear. Yeah. Um, and that climb is really long and steady. Um, and then it kicks like the last 5k pretty good. Um, so yeah, I, I wasn't totally, uh, tuned into the racing. I think the most tuned in was, uh, after we finished the, the the queen stage we went to in and out burger in placerville and who rolls into in and out burger uh mark cavendish <laughs> and so uh you can check my twitter feed not that it um uh, it did anything but i called that night i was like if the manx missile wins you know the sprinter stage tomorrow it's because he had you know in and out burger he i don't think he was anywhere close to, no, to winning he wasn't. Yeah. so uh anyway yeah, I, I wasn't super dialed in to, to, the, to the racing part. It was more just about this journey with my buddies and having other folks join us along the way. You know, we had um, Allison Tetrick, who used to race in the Pro Peloton, um, join us for a few stages. Another friend of mine, Craig Romer, who's a, a Stars and Stripes Masters rider. And then um, you probably heard of Ben Jacques Mains, who used to race for the yeah. Jameis Sutter team and who did the most Amgen TOCs. He did 10 of them, um, the first 10. And uh, he joined us for a stage as sort of a tradition we started. He now works for Jock Rue um, Clothing, who, you know, clothes UHC and a few other folks. So, um, yeah, it's, a, it's an awesome tradition. So if you guys want to do it, like I can help set up the details. It's, um, you know, it's not that hard to to make it happen. But it's not like a, a luxury kickback tour, you know. I mean, it's it kind of gives you a, a window into how difficult being a pro is yeah. um, because the transfers, you know, the transfers are sort of the hardest part. Uh, you know, when you finish on top of Gibraltar, you then had to go to King City. You know, yeah. I don't know where the pro stayed. They may have stayed in like uh, San Luis or something like that. But, you know, we had about a two and a half hour drive to get to King City and, you know, fit dinner in there somewhere. And you don't roll into your hotel till 8, 830 and maybe, you know, try to get a bit of a massage or something like that. And then you go to bed and you're back on the bike at 7:30, you know for us because we're we're needing that that time buffer um to keep the pros away from us so it's fun though yeah it's it sounds like an amazing trip every every year that i watch tour california uh, i miss being in california and i really want to go back out there and ride um and yeah just it's it's like a grind i mean even a week-long stage race like you said it just seems like it's it's a lot to fit into each day um, and I can't even imagine what uh, a three-week Grand Tour is like. Oh, yeah. I mean, the toll that that takes on people's bodies is is ridiculous. Uh, a three-week Grand Tour, um, I, can't, I can't even fathom, fathom that. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, they just, as soon as they get off the bike, I mean, any, any tour rider, they have to immediately begin focusing on eating and recovery. And that's their job, you know, so... Well, hey, Yuri, appreciate the invite out to California, and we want yes. to make sure that you know that 
uh, you have a standing open invitation to come back to Louisiana to race the Rouge Roubaix with us again in the future. I know you came out a couple years ago and you had bad luck with your <laughs> tires. Um, I, I just did. I just remember riding past you with uh, sealant spraying all over uh, you and and anything else that was within ten yards of you. you had a massive massive sealant explosion on that uh, race, unfortunately. That I did. That I did. But I actually, you know, uh, I made lemonade out of lemons and ended up, you know, pulling Jeff Castellas around for about forty miles, which was, uh, you know, an awesome experience. I yeah. just uh, ran into him on the course and was like, Hey man, let me just pull you around. So we decided to pull the plug and, uh, that's what we did. And we chit chatted and I think he had a good day. So, um, I was glad I was, I was encouraged to finish cause I wasn't super excited. I'd been having some bike issues leading up to that, mm-hmm. uh, that had made my, my trip out there a little stressful. So, um, but it worked out well. Yeah. I will come back. Good. Just as long as we don't go across that river again though, man. You mean the you one that, take- yeah, that almost yeah. Uh, took me out? <laughs> That yeah. almost swept you down river, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I saw that photo and said, this is like the example they show. And they're like, turn around, don't drown. Like, <laughs> what are you guys doing? They actually had to cancel uh, Rougier Bay last year because this, of... This year. Sorry, this year, yeah, yeah. because of high, high river. Yeah. Um, so we didn't get to have yeah. it in our local scene. And hopefully uh, next year we'll, we will. And maybe you'll come back with that. I'd love to come back. I totally would love to come back. I, I want to experience, you know, the year I was there, it was wet, obviously, and we didn't get to do some of the, the fun dirt sections I think they have. And, yep. yep. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely coming back. It's uh, your kind of deal, man. You've got uh, you've got a master's victory in Rouge Roubaix in your future, Yuri. I, I can, I'm telling you right now. I love it. All right, man. Sign yeah. me up. Well, dude, it's been great talking to you. Um, I don't want to keep you too much longer. Um, I've got nothing but time. I am probably coming out to California sometime this summer, Southern California, but maybe uh, maybe I can entice you into coming down and doing some riding with our Pavlov crew a little bit in August. Yeah, I would love to if I'm around, man. I have such a packed... um, in a good way busy summer but yeah let me know when you're out uh if i can make it down there to to do a ride i'd love to or maybe i can turn it into a work excuse um who knows sounds good do do we do we want to give some hot takes on the tour of california uh yuri we like to give a lot of hot takes about pro race on this podcast so i don't know if you want to stick around and listen to us uh and maybe chime in Mm. so number one hot take the colombian cartel yeah Showed themselves uh, at the Tour of California this year. Five stage wins, was it? Five of seven stages won by uh, two Colombians, Gaviria and Bernal. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think Bernal is the real deal. I don't know. I mean, you you sort of mentioned it. Yuri said he thought he had an extra gear. Um, although I have to say, I mean, I, and this is, I had, uh, we, 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 we all play, uh, there's a fantasy cycling league that we have. You ever do any fantasy cycling, Yuri? You know anything about that? <laughs> Sounds like Yuri I, does I, real cycling. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't, I, you know, I think I fantasize in my head, fantasize in my head that I'm faster than I am, but that's about all I get. So I yeah, gotcha. no, I haven't done any of that. Oh, there is such a thing as fantasy cycling. I don't know if you, uh. If you've ever heard of it, but uh, there's a, a website that uh, that where you can do fantasy, have a fantasy cycling team for all these uh, week long and grand tours. Anyway, I digress. But uh, I I had uh, TJ on my fantasy cycling team, and I mm. wanted to support TJ, and and have always 
thought the guy was a great guy and you said Bernal looked like he had a an extra gear and I will say you know it it was it's easier to look like you've got an extra gear when you're racing against TJ because I just don't think that he's you know he's the super climber that uh, that some of these guys are he's a he's a he's a great racer and a great time trialist obviously but uh, Bernal really seemed to to show that that he was the class of the climbers when they got into the big mountains huh most definitely and I mean also TJ was getting one two punched by Tao and I think maybe oh, someone yeah. else right so like that guy was getting just beat up uh, in the finale heading up Kingsbury so you're you're correct I mean he's not you know a pure climber like those guys um, but he had also been hit taken some serious body blows from folks I yeah. think he did a great job and raced a great race to finish second though I mean kudos to him for for not uh you know, for, for never giving up on that and, and doing, you know, doing what he could to, to keep that podium spot. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, we've said it be here on this podcast before we, we want Tej to do more one day, one week, uh, stage races. I feel like that's really kind of his, his area to really shine. And, and that, and the three week grand tours, I mean, I think he, yeah, as you said, he's not that pure climber and you know, he can be a really good super domestic and then go for stage wins as he did last year. So, yeah, I mean, I hope I hope that he does that more in the future. Um, um, do you guys think he's going to the tour? Do we know? TJ? TJ. Um, I don't know the answer to that, but I would have to guess not. I don't know. Not why even I say as that. a super D role? for port. I don't I mean, know. You you have any in, you have any info on that, Yuri? Uh, no, I wish I did. I'm I'm not dialed in with Team BMC and what they're thinking for yeah. their for their two tour squad and. I'm not sure where TJ would would fit in on that hierarchy, um, not knowing that team well enough, um, so I can't speak knowledgeably about that. So yeah. did well, were you? Ta- well, Yuri, Yuri, don't let that ever stop you. That we're we're all about the non knowledgeable hot takes on the show. <laughs> yeah, so that's right. Feel free to feel free to throw out a the, you know steam and opinion. I mean, well, I, I, I think I think TJ will make make the squad i do just he's because he is such a strong rider right. uh i don't know the tour well enough to like the terrain like what would suit him to to stage hunt uh and he's you know definitely not in that upper echelon of tt guys to think that he can i think yeah. nab a tour tt unfortunately so um he may be uh, confined to uh, you know a role of playing domestique and then possibly hunting for a stage or something like that. So um, a lot of it could play out uh, with whoever's leading for BMC too, where they stand. So right, yeah. BMC also has Rohan Dennis. If you're going to send yep. a time trialist to the you know to try to nab a TT stage in the tour, it's probably Rohan well, as he's, opposed to he's in the Giro, lest we forget. Yeah, yeah. So um, doubt he's going to the but tour. But yeah, to your point earlier. Um, Yuri about Theo Gagan Hart. I think he was man of the match, as we would say in football yeah. terms. Uh, I mean, you could possibly argue that he could have been the team leader, and they would still have won that race. The way he rode, he was fourth in the TT. Um, you know, better than Benal in the TT, and he looked like he was able to outclimb everybody else as well. Yeah, I, mean, I think he destroyed the Peloton on Gibraltar. Um, yeah, so that was an amazing Had display. they switched places and put Bernal there and he sat on his wheel, then yeah, maybe Yeah, pretty amazing ride by him. Well, <laughs> that's sort of like right the, the, the Froome uh, conundrum with Wiggins, right? Uh, yeah. Having to wait. So yeah, who knows? You never know what could have happened. I, the, the kids obviously got a, a ton of talent and 
he followed coach's orders and did what he was told. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, hopefully he'll be given his chance to to shine at some point. But, uh, you know, I mean, that's sort of what they have to go through, you know, to, to prove themselves. You have to be in the trenches, it seems like, for a while and possibly give up some shots at overall, you know, your personal glory. Um, to go for who the team has designated as well, the as the leader. Both of those guys are super young, right? Bernal and Gegenhart. S- super young. I think they're yeah. both under twenty three. Yeah, Bernal is twenty one, I believe. I think uh, Gegenhart is twenty three now. Of course, he was on Axion year before yes. last, right? Last year he moved to Sky, and uh, really kind of brought. You know, we we got to see him shine at the Hammer series. Did you? Did you see any of that? that I have race? not. No. Um, yeah. No. He 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 was the guy who for Sky, in the team time trial competition, he sprinted against a Sunweb guy to give Sky the victory. So you don't see a lot of like drag sprints in a team time trial. So, um, yeah. So let us speaking of the other Colombian that we brought up earlier. Uh, Gaviria, mm-hmm. um, Yuri, were you at the? Were you able to watch the finish of any of these stages? Stick around the finish line after you finish to to check out any of the sprint finish stages. The only sprint finish that we saw was the one into Elk Grove, mm-hmm. and I am such a bad cycling fan that I can't even remember who won at Elk Grove. That shows you how engaged I was. I think I was uh, more into the VIP food at that point because <laughs> we had just finished riding. <laughs> 115 miles in just over five hours we had smashed it pretty good that day so i think i had my face in the fajitas um not kidding uh so i don't even know who won that day but um so i yeah i'm not really helping you guys think, out with these I hot think gaviria won that day didn't he well chances he are have. he did yeah 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 he's uh he's something pretty special too and also a relatively young guy am i am i i could be wrong about uh, that yeah he's still pretty young yep anyway uh, yeah, but and and then we alluded to it earlier. Um, you know, Peter Sagan, who really, you know, it kind of was becoming the face of the tour of California, and 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 I presume not by accident. I'm guessing that there's you know that there's something to that that's happening on a on a promotional uh, and sponsorship level that that's you know about way above my pay grade. But it doesn't seem accidental that that Sagan has been at the tour of California ever every year and really become a big part of their marketing efforts etc cetera, etc cetera. Um, so some of that is probably driven by the fact that he rides for specialized you know right. which has their headquarters in Morgan Hill uh, he's also sponsored by Osmo which is a you know company in mm. my neck of the woods run by a, a good friend of mine um, okay I'll, and I'm so I'm glad you brought that up, Yuri, because I got a question yeah. for you about that. Because Sagan, sure. there was a video posted, and I think it was Osmo Nutrition was yeah, yeah. was posting it where he was mountain biking. Was that Boy Scouts? Because it looked like it to me. Um, that could have been. You know, I can't. Yeah, I remember each clip of that video. They shot all over Marin, but some of that mm. could have been Boy Scout camp. Um, you. You've ridden there in Fairfax in the Boy Scout camp? I have, yeah. I used to live in San Francisco for about three years. Oh, nice. And I was painting houses mostly in Marin and uh, often in Fairfax. And actually one of my customers in Fairfax um, was a mountain biker. And so, you know, I would actually ride over there from, from the city and, you know, go and work on his house. And then afterwards, me and him would go and ride Boy Scouts, you know, which was 
you know, I'd, I'd never, ri- I'd ridden around and I'd done like, you know, um, up, uh, you know, Tam and, and, and all that stuff and the headlands and things. And he was like, oh, you've got to come ride Boy Scouts, which was yeah. a really, really fun trail. That's where I did my first mountain bike race in California in 96, I think, was that venue. So yeah. I have really fond memories of that place. I would imagine it's a hard place for a race because it's, well, I mean, the, you know, if it's all on the single track, there's not many places to get past people, I wouldn't think. Super tough. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. All right. Well, you guys have anything, uh, you have anything more on Tour of California? Anything more you want to ask? No, I mean, I think Yuri? you just got to give a shout out to uh, Tom Squeenge for that win um, into Lunaseca. Laguna Seca? Laguna Seca. Yeah, Laguna yeah. Seca, yeah. Yeah, that was a hell of a finish. Uh, love to see him. I guess it was, was it a year to the date where he crashed and then had the concussion? Or, I mean, very close. It was in last year's Tour of California where he had that horrific crash and got back on his bike and he was totally dazed. Um, Coming off Mount Hamilton, that was horrible. I, yeah. I saw that. Yeah, I saw that on the, we were up in the VIP um, area at that point and saw that on the big screens and that was a, that was a horrible wreck. Um, yeah, yeah, it was painful to watch uh, the whole um, thing unfold. I, I, I was like, I, please take the camera off him now. You know, it was, yeah. It was um, really but I mean, he's back a year later, mm. wins with a, an amazing attack, um, and then he, with with uh, Sean Bennett, who you mentioned earlier. Yep. Um, and then he has a most amazing post up celebration <laughs> victory. Um, I heard I heard on a other podcast that he was kind of like punching the sky and then dancing and uh yeah. yeah it was great i just it was super cool to see i think that everybody if i looked on twitter everybody in the in the pro peloton that I follow was just like stoked to see that and yeah. uh definitely that's such an awesome finish moment. too coming into that race course like that did you guys get to ride that section yuri did they let you guys onto the race course they they would have uh but we opted to finish at the base of the hill there's a gnarly kicker yeah that goes up into Laguna Seca at the mm-hmm. very end after you've already come over Laurelist grade, which is really stout. And they were all, by the time we got to the base of um, the Laguna Seca climb, they were starting to mitigate traffic. And so we were worried that if we tried to go up and in, we'd get stuck in there. Right. And so we opted not to go up in and hopped in the car and, and scooted out of there and made our next transfer. Um, but uh, yeah, that's a stout climb. Yeah. The, his dance at the end was awesome because it, you know, it just shows that he's got some character, some heart. He's not this, you know, like robot racer, right. uh, and he's having fun too. So that was really nice to see. Yeah. Well, cool. All right. Well, Yuri, thanks so much for taking a whole bunch of time to talk to us, man. That's been awesome, and uh, I think uh, assuming that we've captured all of this uh, recording on on Matt's uh, computer here. Oh, sorry, I totally forgot to press record. Yeah, uh, can we just go over and do it all again, Yuri? Is that, yeah. is that cool? I got time, man. We're gonna. Uh, we'll. I'll, I'll email you a uh, a link to the uh, podcast. It'll be up on okay. iTunes probably sometime tomorrow afternoon. And if right. you wanna tweet it out or share it with your with your folks why don't you real quick yuri before we let you go let everybody know where they can find you and and whatever kind of shout outs you want to do for your uh you know for your sponsors and your crew and and all that sort of stuff where you are on social media and how people can find out more about you all right well i am at y housewald h-a-u-s-w-a-l-d on ig 
Um, I am Yuri Housewald on Twitter and Facebook. Um, those are the three platforms that I use the most. Um, as far as shout outs go, you know, obviously being the community development manager for goo, um, having that role, it's a unique role that they created for me, um, because I'm not your typical office guy. And so, uh, it allows the bike me to is your office. Like, yeah. It allows me to do stuff like this, connect with my community. You guys are my community and hopefully I'm able to impart some, uh, words of wisdom for folks that are in your community, right. That are going to then definitely. be coming to the gravel community. So it's like this one big family. And so, um, that's what I really enjoy the most is just being able to hopefully help share some tools, um, to empower people to have fun on their bikes. Um, and then, yeah, I, I don't need to give any other big shout outs to, to, to any of my sponsors, but I appreciate that. They all know who they are. Um, and I'm super lucky to, to be in the position that I am and, and live the life that I'm leading right now. Um, so yeah. And, and having the opportunity to chat with you guys, it's good to, to chat with you Townsend and, and meet you two other folks there. And I look forward to Pavlov. Yeah, uh, for sure, man. In October. Uh, well, I'll keep in touch, catch up with you soon and, uh, say hey to everybody out there, especially Vanessa, uh, yeah. pass my best on to her and, uh, chat soon. Also, hang on, please have your, please have your DK crew find me at Dirty Kansas. Come find me in the goo booth. Come find me somewhere. I have a bunch of little things we're doing. We're doing a coffee ride, uh, Friday morning. Um, oh. we're doing a, we're doing a ride with, um, Moan Standard, the clothing company on Thursday. If, um, Ted King's going to be there and a few other folks. If, so there's a whole bunch of activities that I'm going to do. So have them find me so I can just slap them a high five, maybe give them um, a new flavor that they may not know about. Um, and so, yeah, we're actually, I, I do want to do a plug for something that Goo, I know I'm just hijacking this show right now, but about, yeah, so Goo, we are, you guys are the first to really hear this uh, on the air. Uh, is we're about to launch a brand new flavor in collaboration with the National Interscholastic Cycling Association, the the governing body that oversees all of high school mountain biking in the United States. And um, we, with the help of 10 student athletes, local student athletes, um, created a new flavor. They helped learn, uh, or they learned the science sort of behind creating flavors. They came into the labs a few times and um, we are doing a soft launch of the new flavor at DK because DK is hosting the first ever high school gravel race. Um, oh, cool. And then the, the identity of the flavor will be revealed there and then officially, I believe, June 11th. Um, but it's been a super uh, fun project to be a part of. And, um, you know, 10% of the sales of the gels we are giving back to NICA. Uh, because our CEO really believes in, in getting kids to embrace um, sports and movement and being healthy. And uh, this is one of the causes that we are super passionate about. So, yeah, look for um, – there's six unique packages that we created. It's really fun with, with pictures on them and, um, yeah, super fun projects. Wait, so, so what, are, what are the flavors? Not to, I can't it hadn't been you. revealed oh. yet, man. Still a secret. Nice, nice oh. try. You almost got there. <laughs> <laughs> no, so it's one. It's one flavor, but we've done six different packages. So it's kind of cool. It might encourage people oh, okay. to like collect all six, and they all mm. have different pictures. They all have different messages on them. Um, but yeah, I wish I could tell you the flavor. No, but that's you all right. Guys are that's gonna, good. Uh, you're gonna go, you're gonna go live tomorrow, and I I, I will get. 
I'll get my hand slapped. So, <laughs> no, uh, I, I won't. My girlfriend yeah. is bringing her bike. She's in the pit crew, but she's bringing her bike because she wants to try get in on some of this action, some of these rides before the race. So I will definitely tell her um, to to get some for me too, so we can collect them. Um, yeah. No. Yeah. For sure. Um, we'll have a few on hand um, to pass out. But yeah, she should join the coffee ride Friday morning, or we're having a, a Thursday, I, th- I believe evening ride and then like a, a gathering at the shop afterwards at Moan standard. So. Well, cool. Awesome. Yeah, that was my plug. Yeah. For DK. Great. All right, Yuri. It's been a real pleasure, man. Thanks yes. you guys. It was good meeting you and hopefully talk to you all soon and our paths cross or wheels, our wheels cross. Yeah. But yeah. We don't wreck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks so much, Yuri. Yeah. Thanks so much. Really appreciated it. Right. Okay. Cheers guys. Have a good night. Good night. All right. Good night. Yeah. Bye. All right, but um, I just want to say a huge thank you to Yuri there. That was that was awesome. Um, we went long there because, well, it was just great listening to everything he had to say, and I think uh, you guys will enjoy that. So we have some a few more things that we want to talk about, but we're going to get through them really fast. Ho sbagliato tante volte ormai che lo so già. Oggi quasi certamente sto sbagliando su di te Ma una volta in più che cosa può cambiare nella vita mia We're bringing back lightning round All right. So this is a week two Giro lightning round engage now um, Number one on the agenda, Yates is on fire Yes uh, that speaks for itself. <laughs> All caps on fire. Yatesy is establishing himself, I think, as a true GC contender. Three true. stage wins in the pink jersey, mm. killing it. Yep. Um, I know I talked a little trash about the Yates brothers uh, last year, probably on this podcast, eating a little bit of crow. Not afraid to admit it. Uh, he's riding just, he's just so strong. Like he's, he's attacking the group. Yeah. multiple times he's not he's not really playing a super conservative game um just kind of a refreshing thing to watch and uh, i'm really glad it's him and uh, not Froome. and speaking of not Froome, i don't know if this is a great segue or not but you know what we haven't had in this giro is a whole bunch of either sky train or movistar train or no train really we've had a lot of gc contenders isolated on these big climbs and it has led to explosive racing yeah absolutely um but yeah with regards to yates uh astonishing performance so far he's obviously got so much confidence right now he knows he's the strongest guy in the mountains uh he's got over two minutes into dumoulin tomorrow is going to be really really i mean honestly guys this is going to be an exciting time trial that's you got, true you got to say it i mean it to over two minutes he's got on Dumoulin. The way Yates is riding with such confidence right now, he basically time-trialed away from everybody yesterday, and Dumoulin had nothing. So this is, this is pretty exciting. Well, one thing that Dumoulin definitely didn't have was any help from anyone else. Well, why should they? Well, agreed. Uh, he was a little bit upset about it. Um, but that's racing, right, bro? I mean, he's You're the guy. Man. It's kind of funny, though, that, you know, and, and his point was, well, wait a minute, guys. Yates is the one that's got two minutes. 
on everybody. Why am I still the Why am I still the the one that everybody's looking out for? You better start looking out for this guy, or else you're not going to have me to worry about. It's going to be him. Yeah, I, I I understand his his thinking, but they're basically this is on you to catch him because you're the guy who has the advantage on the rest of us. So I mean, I think it plays kind of both ways. Um, but they shouldn't have started attacking each other the way they did. They should have worked together to chase down Yates. Real quick, Matt, back to your point about the time trial. How awesome for the Giro organizers that now for the second year in a row, of course, last year it was the the final stage of the year, the final time trial yeah. that was decisive. Now here we are again. We've got a time trial after a rest day that's going to be, you know, it's going to be huge, just like you say. I mean, that that takes a lot to to uh, to organize a race where the time trial is is one of the more exciting stages. Can Dumoulin take two minutes back on Yates in this time trial tomorrow? It is a almost 40K time trial. 34K. 34K. All right, well. Very possibly. Yeah. Very possibly. It's not hilly. It really suits Dumoulin more than it suits Yates. I mean, Yates could do well if it was a really lumpy TT, but uh, it isn't. And I think, yes, he can do it. But here's the kicker, which makes this even more exciting for this last week. All those mountain stages towards the end of this race are going to be super exciting. If if Dumoulin takes pink tomorrow, maybe he's got 30 seconds on Yates, maybe he's got 40 seconds. How much time can Yates put back into Dumoulin in the mountains? It's going to be... A, this is a great, great race. Or even Dumoulin closes it to a minute and a half and has 30 seconds, then he's got to attack Yates, and Yates got to attack him to, to make the gap even bigger. Yep. Um, well, we've got to move on to the next subject, Froomey Friday on Monte Zoncolon. So let me ask you guys this. Saturday, unfortunately. Yeah, sorry. That's right. I put I wrote Froomey Friday on here because I just Froomey Friday was on Saturday. What day of the week it was? Yeah. Uh, Are we writing Chris Froome off uh, for the GC in this race? Yes. Yes. Four minutes down. Mm, Yeah, it's not. It's not going to happen. Yeah. I mean, he he also has a potential to take back a good bit of that time in the TT as well. He's probably not going to take a bunch of time back on Dumoulin, but yeah. I yeah. wouldn't put it against him to end up on the podium, yeah. but okay. he's not racing for the podium. He's not interested in that. Does uh, he leave the tour? Does he leave the Giro? No. No, okay. I think he stays there. Uh, so, yeah, what do we think about the the big win on uh, Monte Uh Super impressive. I mean, but it was, I mean, they were super impressive on Saturday. Wout Poles, I mean, Sky did not look great. They haven't looked great in the mountains at all. Um, but they pulled it all together on that day, and then they kind of fell apart the day after. You know, they fell apart yesterday. Zonkolin does kind of sound like the name of a new asthma medication. <laughs> yes. Just coincidentally. <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I, don't yeah. I think Sky needed to bring uh, Bernal and Gegenhardt to the Giro. <laughs> I was thinking the very same thing. I, I feel like their Tour of California team may have been stronger in some may ways. May have been the A, A, A squad. All right, one last thing on our agenda for the Giro is, did you guys hear about what happened in Stage 11 where Adam Hansen, Tim Willems, Tried to bridge to an already a break that was up the road. Realized they couldn't do it. And these guys are teammates. Mm. Pulled off the side of the road. Yeah. And waited for the peloton to come back before they jumped back in. Well, they waited for the peloton to pass them. And then they jumped on the back. Yeah. And so, then made their way back up to the front. And were like, hey, guys, who are you chasing? I think that's hilarious. Cheeky uh, little move. Was there a nature break involved? No, I think they were just having fun. I think they just thought this will be this will be really funny, and people were like still trying to chase them down, and there they are in the like coming up through the back of the pack. 
And then people are like, I just expended all this effort and then you just gave up. <laughs> um, so, yeah. But uh, that's five minutes. That's a Jiro. Um, I want to say very, very quick. A couple of quick things while we're here on the Jiro. Uh, first of all, Androni Giocattoli Sidemerk have been in every single break in this Jiro. One break for every one of the sponsors on the front of their jersey. Yeah, well, I don't think that, I don't think they've been in that many breaks yet. So their um, sponsors are actually getting the money's worth. They are must be Pro Conti. They are Pro Conti. So they are they are doing what a Pro Conti team should do. They're doing the best. They're winning the Pro Conti contest. Yeah, and then, and it doesn't look like any of the Pro Conti teams are likely to get a stage win. So I mean, they they definitely are. They're winning the Pro Conti. But then Ciccone from uh, Bardiani is looking really good in the mountains too. He's been he's been really impressive. All right, I have one final 15-second Giro thought, and that is how about the scene at the top of Zonk, the Zonkelin on Phenomenal. Saturday? Somebody said there were 100,000 people or something up there. That's that, seemed, that seems like a lot. But, uh, but man, it was like crazy, crazy crowds. And I had in my notes here, it's like Jazz Fest or the Kentucky Derby, <laughs> except it's better because it's about bikes and it's on the top of a mountain. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Because there's the only one really one way to get up there. That's ride your bike. So yeah. probably a lot of those people probably rode their bikes up, which yep. is awesome. That is awesome. That's, That's my final thought on the Giro. So um, let's just uh, hit on a couple local things before we close the show down for the night. Um, we had the Giro, but we also had La Vuelta de Cadiana was this Saturday, this last Saturday. Yep. Uh, at one point, it was a stage race. Uh, it's a local race. Uh, this year, it was a crit only, and we had a bit of the squad head out there. We had Dan Swan winning the Cat 4s, and Eric Stewart won in the Cat 5s. So shout out to our teammates for uh, doing that. Yeah, I told you guys I had dinner at Maxwell before I came over here, and I talked to Max, who was telling me that uh, Dan Swan is fast. Oh, Dan Swan has been tearing my legs off at Tuesday Loop. So mm-hmm. yeah, uh, he, he I'm he's going to be a three soon. I assume that he keeps riding this way. Yeah, um, and uh, yeah, so. Uh, in the one-two-three race at La Vuelta, not a teammate of ours, but uh, worth uh, noting, young Lance Abshire lapped the field and uh, and and apparent and won the race. Uh, but apparently, was also not only did he lap the field, I think he also uh, was, you know, toward the front in the in the ultimate sprint finish, which he had already wrapped up the win. Oh, he yeah. lapped the field, then got in the field. And then sprinted for the win. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> for the double win. He won well, twice. practice. Yeah. I actually don't know that he won the field sprint, oh, but uh, gotcha. he, he was he competed in the field sprint. Yeah. Um, so we've got the Feliciana Road Race coming up next weekend. Yeah. Yep. Next su- next Sunday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and always a great. That's a great course. Uh, I don't know that I would call it great. <laughs> Well, let's say it's. I mean, a, it's a, it's, a, it's a great course, but yeah, I don't like it's it. Very mountainous. It's, uh, yeah, it's got some rollers, some Louisiana rollers. It has one hill at the end that, uh, in the two times that I've done it as a three, I uh, have not done not fared well. Um, so I have bad memories there. I saw that Randy Leger posted something on Facebook the other day about the race uh, calendar for the summer of nineteen seventy something. And that Feliciana 
road race circuit uh, was being used back then as what I think they referred to it as the state championship circuit back then. Mm. And I'm pretty sure that it's the same 22-mile yeah. uh, circuit that we still use now in the Feliciana road race. So that 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 circuit is certainly tried and true. Yeah. Uh, whether you think it's a great circuit or not, it's uh, been raced many, many times. Apparently. No, I mean, I think it's a great circuit. Yeah. Personally, it does not suit me. I just think they should move the finish line to the top of the hill and not 200 meters after it. Uh, That's my theory. Okay. Sure. Because we uh, don't have many uh, you climb would, finishes. Yeah, would you call that a summit finish? Would a you call summit that, finish, at yes. Finish at the summit, summit of Red finish. Bug Hill? Yes. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, uh, Matt. You, and I, Matt. You. We also we did a, a charity ride that's mm. just worth noting. I think absolutely uh, as a shout out to our uh, team sponsor, Urban South. Uh, they were a corporate sponsor of the Beth's Friends Fondo, yeah, uh, which was a charity ride to raise money for women uh, dealing with uh, cancer in the New Orleans area. Yeah, support services for um, for um, like, yeah w- women women suffering from cancer. Yeah. And a um, good friend of of the uh, of ours was one of the ride organizers and had made a special point to try to get us to come out uh, as members of the Urban South race team because uh, Urban South had been a, a, a big part of sponsoring the ride this year. And the team really responded this year. They really did. We had a great showing from the team. Uh, we probably had the biggest group there that I could see, biggest group of like same, wearing the same jersey, that's that's for sure, Yeah. in our new team kits which look uh magnificent wonderful i would say yeah, yeah. i agree and uh thanks to uh scott galante who was one of the people that put the ride on uh who uh, gave us a nice little shout out at the beginning of the race and thanked us for for coming out and helping to bring so many people out that thing was as close to a race as i've done in a while man <laughs> yeah, there was nobody was fucking around it was quick 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 it was very quick um it basically was the Sunday Giro with hills uh, or bridges, rather. We got to, you know, it's not very often that you get to do some climbing in New Orleans, and it's especially a treat to go ride over the Crescent City Connection Bridge um, through on the HOV lane, which, uh, you know, that, that was great to be able to do that. And to be able to do that and not have to run before and after it as well, which is the only other time uh, that that happens with the Bridgeman Duathlon, which is an awful idea. Uh, so yeah, it was great. And the front group was fast, wasn't it? Yes, it, it was, was. It was blazing fast. Yeah. Yeah, I, teammate uh, Max. Max smashed it, yeah. Second on both the segments, I think, believe going either way. Yeah. Um, so kudos to him. Yeah, and it was pretty windy up there today, wasn't it? Uh, or yesterday, rather. It was um, the wind. It was blowing around quite a bit. So yeah, he was he was really on fire. I saw that a few folks who weren't maybe trying to win at exercising stopped and took photos at the top, and that looked pretty cool too. Yeah, there was a photo op at the top there. Yeah, uh, they did a great job of everything. Um, there's some big expansion joints on the bridge, and they had those covered with plywood and and carpet to. Uh, wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. To make it as safe as possible. They had three rest stops on on the course. Uh, there was two courses, a 50 mile and a 32 mile. Really well organized, wasn't it? It was great. Yeah. Yeah. Super I'm just open. looking at my Strava. I mm. had 18 personal records and one, two, three, four, 
four, five top ten overalls yeah. on uh, the various KOM segments. So, um, yeah, it was that it was that kind of fast. Well, I set my best ever two hour power on, <laughs> on that on that day on Sunday, which was which was uh, pretty amazing. And so the best if, if you ever five minute if you ever go do Dirty Kanza with uh, Yuri, you could use that two hour power too. <laughs> I just need to add another what. Well, throw for, me, some, for me, probably another sixteen hours. Yeah, on top throw of that. on some extra watts. I, I'm sure. I'm sure Yuri managed more than that for thirteen. Yeah, hours. when he said, uh, you know, he can just hold two forty to two ninety watts for a really long time. I was thinking, yeah, me too. You know, for yeah. like uh, ten minutes. <laughs> no, you can do better than that. Yeah, but uh, yeah, that was uh, yeah. Um, it was fast. It was fun, and uh, yeah, I, I, I'll definitely do that again next year. That was that was a great event. All right, well, guys, mm, wait. One before we close up, two things. Uh, Fantasy Tour of California is over, and right. you won. Thank you. Oh, I thought mm. I won. Mm. Did you? Your girlfriend finished second again yeah. on the podium. She's way better at this than you are. She she is. I I try too. I try really hard. Um, yeah. She also tries really hard, and she's just better at it. So and uh, fantasy Jiro, you and Jaden are in a two-man what appears to be winning break. Don't think that break's ever going to oh, get caught. Oh wait, hang on. But I won stage fifteen of the fantasy Jiro. I had one, two, and three. That's that's great. I raised my fist in the air when I saw those <laughs> points. And then 15 seconds later, Emily said, why is your fist still in the air? She's like, that's a little excessive. I said, babe, it's been a long time. Did you do the Tom Squinge celebration? Yeah, I punched the air, danced. She's like, why don't you post about it on the internet? Mm. So uh, where are you standing in the overall in the, uh, in the Fantasy Giro? Uh, I believe I'm like fourth or fifth. That's not bad. Yeah. Townsend? Uh, yeah, I'm fifth, sixth. Bodie and I have been neck and neck. He he leapfrogged me with that uh, big win that he's talking about <laughs> on stage 15. But uh, Superman Lopez is going to... What's going to happen is Yates is going to win. Dumoulin's going to get second. Superman Lopez is going to get third. Maybe. And uh, that's going to... That's your hot steam and dumpster fire take <laughs> for tonight? That's for the overall? <laughs> All right, do, you know so, I, do you know I literally saw a dumpster fire the other day? <laughs> literally. Yeah. It was a dumpster that was flaming. Hmm. Well, that would Literal be an appropriate emoji, dumpster. an appropriate emoji yeah, for this podcast. It. Fire. All right. All right. So what was number two, Matt? That was number one. You said two things. Oh, well, that was the, the, the fantasy zero was the, was the number two thing. Okay. So, so yeah, just a quick, fantasy zero, quick fantasy wrap. I am in the break with Jaden. Doesn't look like we're going to get caught at this point. We've got a pretty sizable lead and I'm about hundred points behind him. Hoping I can pull it back at the end because I have an extra sprinter, Sam Bennett. Who's uh, having a great Giro? Yeah, double double sprinter at the Giro, and you're somehow leading or in second place is pisses me off, (laughs) to put it lightly. Well, Matt Urchel had an interesting strategy. He chose no sprinters at the Giro, and then all sprinters at Tour of California, which paid off for him momentarily, and then until it didn't. All right, I'm fourth at the Giro. I'm coming. I'm coming for y'all. All right. Well, it's a, there's a big, there's definitely a big chase group um, there. So we'll see how that works out. All right. Well, I'm going to start the sign-offs tonight, guys, because I'm getting hungry yeah. uh, again. I'm getting tired. And uh, I'm going to say uh, good night and uh, thanks again 
to uh, Yuri for chatting with us tonight. And Yuri, I very much look forward to sitting on your wheel for many, many, many miles uh, in sunny California this October at Pavlov Across America, number 10. All right, yeah, I, once again, thanks so much to Yuri. What a wonderful guest. Uh, great to hear him talk. Um, I think it would be great, maybe, you know, if, uh, if Yuri doesn't hate us after this, uh, to have him on again sometime to talk about some other stuff. I mean, what a, what a fountain of knowledge. Uh, so thanks, Yuri. This is Sergio saying uh, goodbye. And this is the Buddy Buddy saying once again, uh, thanks to Vic Net for our intro and outro song. Many thanks to Yuri Hauswald for coming on and chatting bikes with us. Uh, send us any questions, comments, or concerns at yayuride at gmail.com. And if you're looking to set your best 10-minute power, come to Tuesday Loops, which will probably be tonight. Good night.